welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about the role-playing games set in the world of darkness and the other tabletop and other tabletop games. We are broadcasting over Twitch every Sunday, 7 p.m. To, uh, Central Time, and are open to chatting with uh, fans during the show. Uh, this is season three, episode three, Hunter the Reckoning. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and my co-host is Motorori, who helped me create this podcast and a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. How are you doing this week, uh, Moto? Oh, pretty good. Uh, having Friday off was nice for the new year. Uh, it's 2021 now, and uh, everything is the same as it was last week, but it feels different because it's the new year. All right, yeah. <laughs> It is a new year. It is. I'm, I'm happy to be in 2021. Um, and I cut off all my hair because cutting it myself, I wasn't easy. <laughs> so I just cut it all off. Yeah, it looks good. It looks fine. It'll grow back. Yeah, that's uh, that's what hair does uh, sometimes. All right, so. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Hunter the Reckoning. Um, so, Mike, you ran our Hunter the Reckoning game for our 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. Um, what is Hunter the Reckoning? Oh boy, what is Hunter the Reckoning? Hunter the Reckoning is a game that they released in 1999 uh, because they needed to release more books. <laughs> and they... Uh, uh, they came up with Hunter the Reckoning. Uh, but but Hunter the Reckoning does have a following. Uh, and what's... The, the general idea is people, regular people, who are not vampires or werewolves or mages or anything like that, just regular mundane people, are all of a sudden imbued with powers. Uh, that, in general, they, they don't understand... Uh, uh, but it's all geared towards them being able to see the supernatural creatures that exist in the world of darkness. And in my opinion, they are compelled to fight them. Uh, the, the game itself is geared towards being a game of personal horror where Regular people like us are all of a sudden thrust into a world that we don't understand. It's it's a lot like Call of Cthulhu, uh, if if you've ever played that. It's you are confronted with the craziness that does exist that you never saw before, and uh, and then you have to navigate that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting because you'd think that you'd be playing like heroes, right? You know, like you're out there demolish, you know, the hunters that are demolishing, um, you know, the darkness that's in the world of darkness, um, and you can play that uh, play it that way. I think if you really wanted to, uh, but I find it interesting that it's it's also more of a game of of darkness of your you're kind of thrust from a normal human being into this world that's full of supernaturals and you have a you know a drive um to a certain degree or at, at the very least a a reaction to to deal with these uh supernatural creatures um and and you go insane along the way because nobody believes you nobody understands yeah you. like um no, i was i was while i was reading up on uh this to prepare i was thinking to myself like all of the crazy people in our world who talk about the lizard people uh the the QAnon conspiracy people that's who you become in a hunter game it's you're trying to tell people that guy is a werewolf and we need to kill him. And everybody's like, you're an insane person. You need to either go away or be dealt with by police, which is what it's supposed to be like in the game. The, the way that they put it out in the books, it's like people are not going to believe you. They're going to, they're going to see this shit happen in front of them 
and they are going to explain it away. Right. Uh, and just nobody's gonna nobody's gonna believe you. No, exactly, and that's and I find that an interesting um, kind of thing where not only you know not only are you just shouting he's a werewolf he's a vampire but once you become um, you know involved in the whole society of hunters like you start discovering that you know the the senators and the the police officers and you know like all of these other people are not necessarily vampires but they could be ghouls they could be um under the influence of mages controlling them of uh werewolves who are controlling them um and not necessarily um just the supernaturals that you have to deal with but all of their minions basically all these mortals who are working underneath them and not only that but when you try and kill a supernatural creature you're usually trying to kill somebody that exists uh you know in to a certain degree in this world depending on how far removed they are or how powerful they are but a lot of these people especially their minions and their ghouls are registered citizens of the united states and they have family members or, and they have or other countries yeah or other or whatever you know like you you're yeah. you're registered with you know when you're when you're killing these people or trying to deal with them you also have to deal with the regular police you have to deal with the FBI and anybody else that's going to be because you don't have these things on your side you know these are actually against you yeah um and like you said it it is probably mostly minions uh we do have to remember that you know, in the hunter game, there there is not much of an emphasis on mages, uh, mostly because the mages are just off doing their thing. They're not generally evil. You've got Nefandi and Marauders and such, but uh, the I think the the focus on it was supposed to be, you know, wraith based stuff. You know, zombies, uh, spirits, yeah. hauntings. Uh, Probably to a certain extent, low-level vampires or ghouls. Uh, Maybe a little bit uh, of werewolf. I know they have some pictures of and some talking yeah, about a little... like seeing werewolves. Um, but once again, you're probably dealing with black spiral dancers. Um, you know, yeah. the the That's... vampires that you're dealing with are usually going to be the ones that are breaking the masquerade. Um, you know, yeah. It, it's possible yeah, honestly, to stumble across, you know, supernatural and be like, "Oh, I'm going to go kill yeah. that guy now." But uh, although uh, two of the things that, well, let's just I'll go with one one of the things. One of the things that pops up a lot in the books are like worm creatures that like have crossed over from the Umbra and are like screwing with people. So Fomori and actual worm creatures. Uh, that's that's in a lot of the books. Yeah, and I know there's uh, a really strong emphasis on zombies because after the the Avatar Storm and the the Maelstrom and all the stuff that creates kind of the the hunters to a certain degree, or they come after that event happens. There's uh, an event that kind of all the wraith kind of move from the Shadowlands to our lands to a certain degree. Like they, in order to escape the Shadowlands, they all jumped into a bunch of bodies. And the longer that you're inside of a human body that, or like a, a that you're possessing an already dead body, it slowly decays over time, and you start losing your humanity as well. Um, yeah, that that is actually. Um, let me let me look at my giant stack of books here. Um, which one is that? I think it's Risen or something like that. Is uh, where it's coming. Oh, from. The Walking Dead. Oh, The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Okay, so is that a hunter-based book? Yeah. Yeah, that's I've I've got a whole stack of them here. So that's The Walking Dead, and so now that I've been reading into Wraith, that that is something that always confused me because the Wraith power that allows you to skin ride, or I can't even remember reading one that gives you the ability to animate a dead body. So is that is that something that happened in the books after 1999? Because I've been um, reading the the older Wraith books. The older Wraith books, I think one of the main things that they kind of touch on with it is the Risen book. Um, there's like a specific Wraith book about um, going in and inhabiting already dead bodies, and um, okay. And then it and mm -hmm. from my understanding is that like the the maelstrom coming it also there's something about the concept of like when the maelstrom hit 
the Wraithlands, it shunted. It like it's not something that necessarily like you might ha have to take a look into the Walking Dead book in order to probably find out, you know, what's going on there. But from my rememberings of readings is that it has something to do along the lines of they got kind of shunted from the Shadowlands into our into our reality, and it kind of forced them to go into these bodies to a certain degree. Like, it wasn't something that they were like, oh, uh, the Shadowlands is all messed up, I'm going to retreat and escape and get to the Skinlands and just jump into these bodies. But this was like a, um, a after-effect of the Great Maelstrom that happened. Yeah. And that, and that does make a lot of sense. Uh, I'm, I'm just not steeped in that knowledge yet. Uh, I am definitely working on it. Yeah, uh, I think that, that from the main book, that's what uh, Hunter kind of focuses on in the beginning. Um, at least when you, if you just had the core book and you didn't have anything else, um, your primary antagonist that you should be dealing with would be zombies that they give you. Um, a bunch of, or they call them walkers, because they're not really zombies until you get to the shambling horde um, aspect of them, when they've been on Earth for a long enough time that they've decayed down to the point that they've lost all humanity and they've lost all ability to be like a human, and then they just start eating people. But like the, when they first jump into a body, they can go and be a hotel worker, you know, and be sitting there hanging out, you know, working in the hotel, getting ready to kill their person that's, you know, the monthly visit, you know, the person who always, you know, stays at this hotel because he's got business in the area. He comes by once a month or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And actually, strangely enough, uh, that was very closely tied to the meta plot of my big bad. Well, kind of the not really the big bad, but kind of the big bad of of the the hunter game that we did at Gen Con. It was um, the Avastus Corporation was figuring out a way to manufacture zombies through torture and uh, basically introducing an object to somebody while they're torturing them to create fetters and create enough fetters that they could then like draw the spirits back into the bodies, essentially creating an army of zombies. Uh, that storyline never uh, got resolved, but, uh, but yeah, that was an interesting one. And I guess I came up with it before I really understood the uh, the mechanics that was uh, that were happening. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the times you're just taking what you want and just have fun with it. Especially with the the super game that we created, we we definitely <laughs> made things the way that we wanted weddings. them to be. You know. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into the mechanics and such, uh, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, hunters in other game lines. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll, just, I'll start off and say uh, there there were two books from Vampire uh, that happened before 1999. One was The Inquisition uh, and the other one was Hunters Hunted. Uh, so why don't you talk about those for a minute? Um, so the main one that I know um, most about is and I'm still kind of just, uh, you know, I've kind of gone through a little bit of it. I haven't uh, used it in any time period, but um, the Dark Ages Inquisition, I always found to be really interesting. Um, and I found it really interesting that me and Mike actually had a real large disconnect over this book. Because um, there's two books. There's the Dark Ages Inquisition, and there's The Inquisition. The Inquisition came out... Um, what was that, 1995? Uh, 95. Yep. Yeah, so 95. In 95, they came out with a book called The Inquisition, and it kind of gone. It went over true faith, and it went over you know this whole idea of what the Inquisition is. And is that a Dark Ages? I don't think that's a Dark Ages book. I think no, that's no, a it was it was a vampire. It was an early vampire, uh, first edition source book, and it was if you wanted to create a character that hunted vampires. Uh, kind of through the lens of uh, religious zealots. Uh, I don't know if it's the first book that had true faith. I don't think it is. I think that um, was before I th that. 
I, th I think even first edition vampire might have had it as a merit. I know third edition definitely had it as a merit, and it, they just had kind of some base things that you could do with it. Um, but the but yeah, the the interesting uh, thing about that is then then they came out with because um, that's a modern day book, and then they came out with the uh, or the Dar uh, Dark Ages Inquisition. Yeah, and it's with, actually Dark Ages Inquisitor. Or Inquisitor. That's why. I, yeah. That's because I'm an idiot. So, anyways, um, so the Inquisitor, uh, Dark Ages Inquisitor, is high or very tied to Hunter. Basically, after they came out with Hunter in 1999, um, and they kind of ended the world to a certain degree, right around uh, I think it was like 2002 or so, or they were in the process of uh, giving out their end of the world books. They um, came out with a, a Dark Ages revamp, and they went through all the Dark Ages books, and they updated the powers, and they updated the mechanics, and they kind of gave some um, more information for you to what, what happened during the Dark Ages, and this was one of the books that came out um, in that line, and it was basically their way of, of getting Hunter the Reckoning into the Dark Ages. Um, they they have virtues, they have conviction, they have powers. They're they're a special breed of humans that can fight the supernatural. Um, but it's all tied into this uh, guise of um, the Inquisition. So it's all about your conviction is not uh, your conviction in modern times. Um, your conviction your conviction is more about your faith and your belief that you're doing. God's will and the the Inquisition's will, um, and that the Inquisition is on the right side here. <clears throat> um, so it's an interesting um, thing because a lot of talk has has gone on that I've seen in in the hunter community as well as just in the um, books and stuff like that um, that talk about that hunters really only came around after 1999 after the avatar storm yeah. and after the maelstrom and everything and something crazy happened then that made hunters start appearing and they they don't really talk about the idea that hunters ever existed or that you know this was a phenomena that created hunters is what it kind of seemed like and um with the with this book we have canon um evidence to support that this is not a a, a thing a new thing to the world of darkness that humans from time to time seem to have you know be an antibody to or become an antibody to this supernatural dominance of the world and when stuff gets too dark or when things get too um too much in control like what happened in the dark ages and you know some kind of crazy supernatural event that's happening you know the end of the world is happening basically in modern times those are the two times that we have direct evidence that hunters existed with all their powers and all their abilities but by called by completely different names um and so it's possible that other times in history hunters have been arisen and it's possible that hunters have been around for really you know that the organization the concept of them could be even much greater than just the inquisition or the modern day hunters that you have yeah um and, and you brought up antibodies uh and that's I'm not sure if it's explicit. I think it is in one of the books where it's where they talk about the different interpretations of why hunters exist. And they bring up that it's kind of like an immune system for humanity where when these so-called supernatural creatures are causing too much damage, they are become more prevalent, basically. Uh, it's It's kind of like... You know, your immune system ramps up in response to uh, an infection, kind of, is the idea. Uh, and so, for example, in uh, the game we ran at Gen Con, uh, the, the Hunter Academy has been around since the 70s. And the guy who started it was imbued in uh, the Vietnam War. Right? And if you think about it, the Vietnam War had a lot of crazy shit happen. And theoretically, a lot of supernaturals were involved in that. And so it's probable that some people, a fair number of people got imbued in Vietnam uh, during that era. Uh, and then throughout the intervening decades, you know, a handful of people were imbued. 
Uh, and then, of course, in 1999, uh, actually, do we have that? That's that's later in the the outline, but uh, but maybe we can talk about that before we go into mechanics. Yeah, I think so. That that's, what let's happens? Talk about the meta and stuff, and then we'll go into mechanics. Yeah. So what happens in 1999? Because you know way more about that uh, than I do. So 1999 is kind of like, um, you know, and we've talked about this a lot over our podcast and other episodes, but I'll kind of give a brief overview here um, from a hunter's perspective is um, really from a hunter's perspective, actually, it's just really, that's when things, you know, that's when hunters really started popping up all over the world in mass numbers. Um, And um, from the world of darkness's, you know, point of view is where, you know, all of this kind of came together. Um, you know, they kind of meshed all of the game lines into one major event and said, okay, this is where we're going to start the end of the world, really. Um, and you can kind of play it out as the end of the world, or, you know, there's tons of different scenarios and ways you can kind of handle it. But White Wolf said originally, we're going to uh, create a game line that is about the end of the world. You know, not just Vampire the Masquerade and everything, all, but all of the games, they all talk about the end of the world. They all gave us a promise at the end of the world. And I have to give White Wolf credit, they did it. You know, they brought the end of the world for their game line. Um, and it's a really interesting story. Um, now, you can use um, 1999 as your jump-off point for the end of the world or just a continuation to the next chapter, um, which is kind of what we kind of do um, quite a bit in our games. But in 1999, you have Ravenos Awakes um, and basically you know, gets into a huge fight with a bunch of Kindred of the East and Techno uh, Mages and Mages and ends up getting defeated in the end. Um, the Ravenos clan of vampires goes nuts and kills each other. Um, a spirit nuke is dropped um, that possibly is the the ultimate chain, uh, of, uh, the beginning of the chain of effect that causes the Great Maelstrom, um, which is the um, undead lands basically become, you know, where there's, they've had maelstroms before, um, this Great Maelstrom came through and just wiped out everything and there's really no you know after after that you're supposed to for canon sake the the undead lands are basically just a chaos of evil spirits and storms you know after this event happens um yeah basically the the tempest basically comes into the shadowlands with the maelstrom right and just kind of wipes out everything. The the necropolises are all wiped out, um, and the uh, mages all lose access to the horizon realms. They lose access to the umbra for the most part, and a bunch of mages die. Like a bunch of really powerful mages die, um, and there's a bunch of you know re- reconfiguring of everything basically at that time period, um, and the the meta plot that they kind of built around this is where hunters start popping up in large numbers um, and you start seeing a really good reason for hunters to be out and about and doing um, all the stuff that they need to do yeah that makes sense so so you had you have the avatar storm you have the spirit nuke the Destruction of the Shadowlands and the creation of hunters en masse, pretty much all at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's. I got to read some of those books uh, about that era. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they do anything with Hunter in V5 moving forward and stuff like that in that storyline. Um, they've been doing a lot of interesting storyline updates um, with Vampire the Masquerade. Um, version five, but uh, um, I would yeah, say yeah. I put it in as a note uh, down here. Playing Hunter in the modern world, uh, possibly V five, and uh, I mean, I the only thing I know about it is the words Second Inquisition, which uh, Rick Hines was telling us about. I have not read anything about it, but uh, but yeah, I I would assume hunters are still around. Uh, if if they're still going with that meta plot, uh, 
shit, they're probably way more powerful, the ones that actually survived. Uh, right. The ones that were viewed originally. So. Yeah, I would think they would be involved in the Second Inquisition. You know, I think that that... I mean, yeah. it makes sense since they, they're all about that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to read into that and uh, see if I can set my Hunter Academy living campaign in, in V5 or H5 Hunter... <laughs> So, so since we're into the meta real quick here, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the official game line stuff that they did with the meta plot for Hunter, because from my understanding, it's it's about like two messengers that are possibly angels or Quasian or uh, East, Eastern vampires or something like that, that they could possibly be. Um, or... or uh. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about here. I know there's hints about the messenger, and there is there is kind of a uh, supernatural language that only hunters can understand. Uh, like other people can see the symbols in certain cases, um, but like hunters know whether or not those simple symbols were written by other hunters. Uh, there's a lot of things in the books about. Uh, is where you know you look at a. I'll just let you know you're kind of breaking up a little bit right now, and your video is frozen. Uh, I wonder. If, I wonder if my uh, my internet might be slow. How does it sound now? Um, you're sounding about the same. So okay. It's frozen. Video's frozen. Yeah. Wait, let me let me turn off my video for a minute. Wait, is it better now? Looks like it went green. Um, no, it's still video is still frozen. It sounds a little bit better, but uh, oh shit! If I turn off my video, it's gonna mess up the the podcast video. Uh, not really, no, because it'll just turn you into. Yeah, never mind. Sorry, turn that off. All right, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, well, let's just go with this for uh, so the messengers. Uh, uh, sometimes you would look at a sign, it would give you a message like, go to Santa Fe. And then when you got to Santa Fe, you'd see another sign that says, like, uh, you know, meet, uh, beware the guy with the beard or something like that. And there's kind of been different interpretations of what that is. Is it the universe? Is it a powerful mage from outside uh, our, you know, uh, outside in the horizon? Is it the worm? And they never explain it, and probably for good reason. Uh, well, they do in the in the end book, because they do have their own end of times book. Uh, well, they're meshed in with all of the other books. Uh, or they, the fair, there's the fairies, or the changeling, hunter, and... I want to say demon. Is there a hunter in times book? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a hunter in times book. We've talked about this before, but you, I know that you haven't really, you never really liked it. You didn't really want to look into it at all. No, probably not. Uh, Cause I've always, I've always considered the be you know, ongoing. So, but that's probably what they have in that book. Oh, is that is that time of judgment? Yeah, time of judgment has. Okay. It's like the changeling, or is, is I think it's changeling demon and and hunter endings. Well, I've got it right here. It's um, final book of the world of darkness as you know it helps you resolve the stories of five different games: demon, hunter, changeling, mummy, and kindred of the east. Ah, yep. All right. Well, shit. Now I got more books to read. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. They kind of like from what I remember, um, I didn't really I didn't really dig into it too deep, and I and I know that you were using something different. So, um, but I know that I've read on a lot of the stuff about um, like on the wiki and stuff like that. That kind of talks about the messenger and how you know what the possibilities of what what those are, um, and it's it 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 was a 
interesting concept of like I believe it was something along the lines of like they were um, something along the lines I want to say of the kindred of the east uh, let me see if I can find that real quick here yeah maybe it's like some some umbral realm that's kind of like a non-western uh, civilization kind of thing because I know right, one is try just, and... just having it being an angel, and the other one is, um, let's see here, the messenger or the heralds are the mysterious entities who have imbued ordinary humans to combat the monsters in their midst. Most of the people theorize that the messengers are um, that there are three messengers and three groups of messengers echoing the three virtues divided into the mercy, vision, and zeal creeds. Uh, debate rages to exactly what the messengers are. Some people think they are alien government, uh, or aliens, or governments, or uh, placed back uh, brainwashing produced hallucinations from the government. Uh, some think that they're angels. Uh, let's see here. The truth of the matter is explained in the book Hunter, Storyteller's Companion. Um, actually, the messengers are, uh, serve the ministers, who are the Ebony Dragon and the Scarlet Queen. Um, so these are both <laughs> part of the equation or kindred of the East. Um, and I thought that I, I remember having a conversation with you about how you went and looked inside of the the hunter or the hunter storyteller companion, and you could only find a very vague reference to this okay yeah that's that's kind of coming back to me um yeah i feel like they weren't super explicit about it yeah it wasn't something like but they came I, out I in the wrong. book and said this is this like, i don't i didn't think we checked every single sentence but it was we didn't find anything that was specific yeah. that said this is the scarlet witch uh, or the scarlet uh queen yeah. Or... And I'm sure there are people who will listen to this podcast in the future and say, who are these morons who don't know what the hell they're talking about? But that's <laughs> the world of darkness. Uh, there are too many books. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of but books. A lot of books. There are so many books, and I have a bunch of them. Also, is my video working? Yeah. yeah. Yep, video's working. You're back 100%. Looks good. Now. All right. Yeah, sometimes my internet gets slow. So. Do you have a hardware uh, connection? Uh, no, I'm on Wi-Fi, but uh, it's get some cat Wi-Fi, six, and, dude. And... It's awesome. <laughs> it's cat six. <laughs> I work in tech. <laughs> yes, cat I should probably have a wired connection for my, you know, standard computer here. Uh, anyway, so let's 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 go on to the actual game line and talk about uh, the way that they actually structured this thing. Uh, and and I'll start this off with. I don't necessarily like the way that they structured this, but I think they did a really good job. Because uh, I've always had this thing in my head, like I feel like Hunter should be more popular as a game line, but it wasn't. And as I was trying to like kind of catch up for for this discussion, I was like, well, what, why? Because like, my classical idea was it was the mechanics. The mechanics were shitty. And that's why it wasn't uh, you know, a good game line that caught on, essentially. Uh, but then I was thinking to myself, like, no, I think it's actually... It's the meta. The Hunter meta does not really fit for the long adventure D&D style games that lots of gamers want. It's it's a game of personal horror where it's you're constantly being bombarded with new disgusting things and and you're going insane trying to fight them. And that it just a uh, it doesn't uh grok well with gaming groups. Uh, probably in the same way that Wraith just kind of 
it's it's all about confronting emotional trauma. It's like, no, I want to fight monsters. Oh, well, let's play werewolf then. Yeah, I would say that, you know, to a strong degree, Hunter is a really great one-shot, um, you know, or even short game, you know, campaign kind of setting where if you're going to run like three or four games and you want to, you know, just do a short stint on something, Hunter is really great for that to tell a really solid, quick story. Um, but I, f- I do feel like after a while, the the story becomes a little bit more unraveled. Um, you, you... Yeah, the, the problem with doing one-shots in Hunter, though, is that it's a completely new system. And it's very complicated, and there's lots of stuff. Uh, and, and the reason people, you know, are okay with lots of complicated mechanics and all that is because it's a long-term campaign. So it's it kind of says, like, okay, yeah, Hunter is great for a one-shot, but it's also not because you basically have to do, like, hours and hours of reading to figure out, like... I mean, you can set a sheet down in front of somebody, like, but that's, again, a lot of preparation. Uh, but anyway, let's let's get into why that is. Yeah, let's go into the mechanics uh, here. Yeah. So, so the creeds, um, which I consider to mostly be um, a role play mechanic, uh, despite the fact that they um, they have uh, the mechanics of the hunter powers are basically um, constricted by the different creeds. Uh, I should have marked the part of the book that had all of them. Okay, that's a lot of dead air. I should look at the... Yeah, so you, did, you didn't create tabs on, on everything? I did not. <laughs> Should be the you know the pages with all the pictures. <laughs> Is this the part? Okay, there we go. All right. So so they kind of divide the different types of hunters into uh, kind of character archetypes, and I'm just going to list them off and kind of say what they do. So the defenders, uh, you. Generally, when you're imbued, the reason you're imbued is because you're defending uh, some sort of innocent person or defending yourself, uh, or, but generally more defending other people. Uh, and is there a thing that says, well, we'll get into that later. So so you're, you're generally defending the innocent. So as you go on your crusade, uh, you're mostly concerned about uh, defending humanity from these things. Uh, innocence. It's it's your inability to... It's like you're wide-eyed. You're like a child. And you just want to do good. Actually, you know what? I'm going to admit I don't know what innocence is. Uh, well, I think the innocence ones are the ones that, yeah, they're basically the the people that, you know, got imbued for being in uh, being the victim. You know, you're not the ones that saved. You just kind of saved yourself, type thing in your imbuing. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think another another thing about the innocence, uh, the innocent, is they give supernatural creatures the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and they also try like healing them and stuff like that. Like, isn't there even some crazy powers that they have um, for like turning them not, like turning them into human, or not necessarily? Um, like, I, f- I feel like the level five power, like it's you, you just remove all supernatural stuff from the enemy, so they just become human for X amount of days or whatever. It's like an uh, permanent no, thing, is... but. That is not innocence. Innocence level five is Blaze. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's completely different. 
sharing the true light. Yeah, agonizing and damaging to unnatural creatures of all types. Uh, but their level one power is hide. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so continuing on, uh, next creep. So, Judge. Uh, judge is typically going to be your religious zealot, your, um, uh, your inquisitor type. It's you are going out to punish the wicked. Uh, and it's probably, it, it could be for acts done, but it could also be just for your, your mere existence. Uh, martyr is like, what's a martyr? It's somebody who sacrifices themselves for some sort of cause. Uh, this is the person that's gonna, you know, run into danger and take pride in the fact that they're gonna die in the cause. Uh, the Redeemer. Oh, geez, what's a Redeemer? I did not read this part of the book for uh, for doing this. I was I was mostly concerned with the um, uh, the mechanics. Uh, okay, so redeemers. Uh, I think they're actually the healers. Is that that one? No. Although their level one power is the most OP part of this uh, entire book. Um, What's their level one power? Uh, their level one power is bluster. Uh, so, so one of the things we'll get to in a bit, a minute is uh, conviction, which is the the thing that you spend in order to do hunter powers. Uh, but the low level hunter powers, generally you're rolling one of your attributes plus how many dots you have in a specific virtue. Uh, and we'll get to virtues in a minute. Um, bluster is essentially uh, a roll, right? So somebody rolls to hit you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't taken an action yet, uh, depending how, you, how on how your GM runs things, uh, you can try to dodge, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of dodging, you can roll Wits plus Mercy, difficulty six. And depending on how many uh, successes you get on that, you cancel out their ability to hit you, right? And the, the, the way you do it is by shouting something, essentially, like stop or no. The other part of that is that you can do this regardless of whether or not it's you being damaged. Yeah. So uh, at Gen Con, I think year two, I had all the hunters running through uh, this, this kind of complex. And because there's no cost to it other than, you know, just taking up your action... You can literally take away, uh, if you have like multiple people who can do bluster, they can all just react and take away all the attack roll. Uh, so in theory, if you had just like one badass fighter and three people with bluster at uh, a high enough level, oh man, you could you could really take out a lot of supernaturals with that. Uh, it was level five play, payback that I was thinking of for the martyr um, that it lets you turn somebody into a human. Your character can impose a human mortal limitation or vulnerabilities upon immortal opponents, such as being robbed of all their powers. Yeah. Although, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, it doesn't last. It, it lasts a little bit. Yeah, it's not for... It's not like a... You can't, like, cure somebody of vampirism with it. Uh, 
Oh yeah, payback for martyr. Uh, oh yeah, that's the reason. You have to spend five conviction points for that. That's actually one of the problems with the mechanics uh, is the higher level powers cost a lot of conviction. Uh, and the lower level powers, like especially... So the reason Bluster is so powerful is because you're rolling Wits plus Mercy, right? And if you get to a point where your Mercy score is, you know, above five, and your Wits is like, let's say, three or four. Yeah, three. Like, you're rolling eight dice uh, to basically cancel out somebody's attack. And then on top of that, you could wager conviction. Uh, but that's only once per scene. So uh, anyway, let's uh, continue with the different creeds. Uh, so Avenger is generally somebody was killed or somebody was hurt. And you are super duper angry at Supernaturals for that. Uh, visionary is the, the communicators. The... Uh, generally, they can astrally project. Uh, they get more of the messages from the messengers. Uh, all right, yeah, that's all of them. So, so creeds, uh, edges we've talked about a little bit, but let's go to conviction first. So conviction is like the the gnosis or the quintessence of hunter. Um, you. Do you start? Yeah, you start with uh, a certain number uh, of um, permanent points in it. So it's the permanent and the um, the, temporary. the temporary points. Uh, and you build up temporary uh, until you hit ten, and then you yeah. get a permanent point out of that. Now, can you yeah. lose conviction if you get lower than than zero? Do you go back in conviction ever? No, I don't think so. There's no deleveling um, system, which makes sense. I would. Correct. Um. So, the thing is, so, so when you get to ten, temporary. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can turn that in for a permanent. Right. Now that I'm thinking about this, that makes no sense. Because when you get to 10 permanent, then you can turn that into a dot in one of your uh, one of your virtues. So we talked about it earlier. It's um, uh, mercy, ze uh, vision, and zeal, right? So you start... Oh, God. Um, it's hard to describe. This is just a really weird way to do it. Um, so you've got three tracks, right? Mercy, vision, and zeal. And you start with three dots. Uh, whatever creed you choose has one of them uh, described as its uh, uh, primary, right? Uh, and then you're supposed to gain dots in that. So, so think about... Oh, wait, sorry. People who know Hunter are going to be pissed at me. Uh, conviction does not have temporary conviction. It's just it's just ten circles, so it just goes up and down. I was wrong about that. Really? Uh, anyway. Wow, I'm misremembering that completely. Then, because I remember temporary yeah, so conviction it's... points being a whole thing. Uh, yeah, apparently not. It's just it's just the ten dots of conviction. Um, so so yeah, when you get to ten. Uh, you can turn that in for a single dot in uh, one of the virtues. Uh, so, so oh, in the virtues, you are right? There uh, is no temporary. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm actually looking at the thing, uh, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious that I've never actually run a Hunter Chronicle. Uh, I only ran the the game at uh, at Gen Con, which two were more like one shots. It was like a one shot than. You know, another one shot. He basically ran three one shots that were all tied to each other. Yeah, we mostly we mostly thought about uh, character backgrounds and the meta story rather than 
like the mechanics of the game. Uh, but anyway, so you've got the three tracks. And as you move up and down in Conviction and get to 10, you can turn that in to get a dot in one of those virtues. Uh, then, so so this is, this is the part that I don't like. Um, each one of these hunter powers that they call edges that we've talked a little bit about, we probably don't need to talk too much about them in addition to this uh, because they're, they're generally just powers that have a system like any other system. Uh, so, so let's say you're going down the, uh, the zeal path and you get your first dot in zeal. Okay. So now you can buy the level one power of zeal. Right, and you put a check mark next to that to say that that dot's spent. Now you keep playing, and you get your conviction up to ten. One more time, you put another dot in zeal. Okay. You can buy one of the other level one zeal powers, and then check that off. Or if you want to buy level two, you have to get up to three dots, because the next the level two power costs two, right? And according to the book, you're supposed to buy them in order. So there are three different tracks for zeal. Uh, and I'm not even going to get into that. Uh, actually, no, let's, let's bring it up. So defense, judgment. And these are the three different creeds and, that belong to that. Yeah. So zeal has three of the creeds. Uh, the Avengers... Uh, the judges and the defenders, right? And so you can, you're generally supposed to buy on the track of the creed that you're on. And it says in the thing, although I would never follow this rule if I was a GM for this, uh, in order to get the level two power in, uh, in defense or uh, defenders, uh, you would have to have the level one power. Uh, I, I don't like that. So you like the, uh, the werewolf way of doing things more where... Yeah, um, it's just whatever level you are or whatever uh, rank you are, you can buy the gifts in that that rank and its experience points. Now, this is completely separated from experience points, though. Right, this so, is all... You that, just do powers exactly. in order to do... You do powers and gambling in order to get your conviction up, right? And other... There's, like, actions yeah. that you can do to get... Is, is there any actions you can do to get your conviction up? Because I feel like, what if you have uh, zero conviction how do you get a point of conviction oh uh when you c convert from 10 uh to get the the permanent dot in one of your virtues uh it goes back to i think it's either two or three it's based on your uh, creed okay yep. uh, so basically it goes back down to a certain number um but anyway so so my biggest problem with this whole thing is uh in in every one of these tracks it goes from one to four or one to five there's a five level fifth level power right so according to their own rules right the way you have to do this you have to buy them all in order and each power costs that many dots right so what's the highest level power you can buy four is the highest level four. you can buy yeah you and can they... never actually buy a level five power so why are they in there well screw it's... that well, it says specifically it's a GM thing. It's you, The yeah. GM gives out fifth-level powers, basically. Once you've completed all your stuff, then you have some work out something with your GM to figure out how to do your next thing. Um, yeah. Which which I, okay. I do think is a little weak, you know? Like... Yeah. It could be more... Uh, the, like, the, the seeking is... seemed to be, you know, is, is an, on top of a bunch of mechanics, you know, and for mages to get to their next level of arate, but this just kind of has like a, well, we don't have any mechanics or any explanation as to how to get to five. Yeah. I really feel like they should have acknowledged it, though. Uh, although it is kind of acknowledged with the generalized where uh, uh, White Wolf kind of thing where it's like, you don't have to follow any of these rules, just so you know. Right. Um. But anyway, so real quick on the conviction. How do you get more conviction? So once per scene, when you're using an edge, uh, not all not all edges can be 
used in this way. Uh, it's it's in the text of the edge whether or not you can do it. But essentially, you're given a dice pool based on uh, the system of the edge. And what you can do is you say, okay, I'm going to gamble a certain number of my current conviction points. So let's say you're at six. Uh, you can gamble up to six. Uh, and that just adds dice to your dice pool. And as long as you succeed in that roll and don't botch, uh, you get those back plus one. So depending on how many scenes you run in a certain game, uh, you know, theoretically you can move your conviction up by at least a few every session. Uh, and if you technically, if you, if you had zero, which you can get down to zero conviction, right? If you botch, right? It yeah, because if you, yeah, because if you gamble, uh, like all of them, uh, so I think if you're at one and you gamble all of them, ah, oh shit, what is that? I think that's in there somewhere. I think you go crazy. I think you just go insane if you gamble away your last conviction point and you miss. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> that's just the way I would do it. Yeah, that makes sense. You're, you've you've lost all conviction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be. Yeah, let's let's not worry about it. People yeah. will listen to this one day and be like, "These people don't know anything about Hunter." Why we don't know anything do about that? anything. We just we just play these games. <laughs> we, we just GM and play them. You know, we have. No uh, before we wrap up, uh, let's just talk about derangements real quick. So the idea, part of Hunter being a personal horror game, is they put in this thing, uh, derangements, where basically. Any like mental disease that is in the, the the diagnostic handbook can be thrown onto your character because you're a crazy person. And so it's it's not the craziness that everybody else sees. It's the response to the world not believing you. You just go insane because you are you are compelled to fight these battles. And you never, ever change anything. And so you basically just, you know, develop all sorts of mental frailties. And they put it in the game. Uh, I think it's, and it's actually after your, uh, after one of your virtues gets to level seven, you automatically gain a derangement for every dot after that. That's that I do like that. That's a solid mechanic. Yeah. It's now in in the Hunter Academy mythos that we made for the Gen Con game, I got rid of derangements. I said I don't like that for at least for a Gen Con game. Uh and the way I explained it away was the Hunter Academy brought hunters in, they trained them, and provided them with essentially mental health services, gave them a structure and monitored them. So anybody who's currently in the field, playable character, is somebody who has like a handle on it. You could still probably throw some derangements in, but that's that's how I would play it. Because, uh, I don't know, personal horror is just not my genre. Um, I'm more of a cheeky fun adventure type guy, so... I don't I don't feel the need to role play through like going insane because nobody believes that that guy is a zombie. So Yeah, I know I I like that kind of stuff personally. So, I think they make for fun games, but but yeah, no, you're definitely more of a you know, fun time GM. And I am yeah. too, for the most part. I like the concepts of doing that stuff, but I, I rarely ever do. Yeah. All right, so I think right. uh, this is a good little wrap-up here for Hunter the Reckoning. Um, you know, highly advise uh, you know, checking it out. It's a fun fun little game, um, and we're probably going to be doing some stuff at uh, some conventions coming up here with Hunter. Um, I know Mike has some ideas about what he wants to do. I've... 
I've got some ideas. I just need to work on it. But um, I've been getting a lot more time in lately, so we'll see where it goes. I'm going to try and remember to do this each uh, podcast, too, is I'm going to give it just a little shout-out here at the end to a few things. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to kind of go over the different conventions, of course, that we're uh, going to be attending or, you know, that uh, I have a lot of respect for, um, things that we'll be running, possibly events um, for World of Darkness or Dungeons & Dragons, other events, uh, maybe just talking or just going. Um, so we've got Gary Khan. Um, it's a really great uh, um, event that happens here in Wisconsin. Um, it's, you know, kind of based on the concept of... Uh, Gary Gygax, and it's his uh, sons kind of run that convention. It's really awesome. Um, we've got uh, Midwinter here in uh, Milwaukee as well that uh, does a lot of LARPing um, games, but they do have tabletop and a lot of other things that they run there, but they're really well known for a lot of major LARPs do stuff at uh, Midwinter here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, you've got Origins um, that just has a lot of tabletop games, you know, role-playing, LARP, uh, you know, just a major convention that happens there. And I'm sure a lot of people that uh, listen to this podcast know about Gen Con, um, you know, major, major, major convention, you know, started um, in Geneva by Gary Gygax and Dungeons and & Dragons, all that stuff, and it's kind of transformed into one of the biggest... Uh, conventions of for gaming that there is um and then madison wisconsin hosts a little uh game hole con here um and so we kind of plan on trying to hit up all of these different conventions um i also want to give a shout out to uh midnight express podcast uh they kind of inspired me to create my own podcast and i really like what he does over there um and go ahead definitely check them out um, Utility Muffin Labs uh, does a really great podcast still, and uh, they used to do a lot of stuff like uh, 20 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Um, there's Darker Days Radios that does a lot of World of Darkness um, podcasting. Um, they're a really great group. Um, check out Seventh Age by um, Rick Hines. He uh, created his own kind of crazy world that you can all read about in the two novels that he's created for that. Um, also check out Onyx Path. They're still doing a bunch of stuff with Chronicles of Darkness, um, you know, and a bunch of uh, World of Darkness-esque kind of stuff. Um, White Wolf is back and alive as well. Um, so they're rebuilding everything. They're currently working on their uh, V5 or Vampire 5th Edition um, and hopefully rolling out Werewolf 5th Edition and Mage 5th Edition and all of those other great game lines. We get to see a nice little... Uh, new coat of paint, um, whole new mechanics. They've kind of revamped quite a bit of the, the system and kind of brought a whole new life to the world as well. Um, it's very different from your 90s World of Darkness. Um, or, uh, and White Wolf itself is completely changed. It's, it's not an American company anymore. So, um, Also check out Drive-Thru RPG. They do really great... Uh, print-on-demand for all of your RPG needs, and uh, check out the Red Opera RPG as well. That's got some um, really great concepts of mixing music and campaigns and Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff together. Um, and if you liked our stuff, uh, definitely follow us. You know, smash that like button, whatever. Uh, <laughs> check us out on Twitch, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all those, you know, all those things. Uh, mainly, we're really just doing this kind of stuff so check us out though uh so this is uh frozen fallout signing off and i'm motor rory good night